The framework of business is completely different in the new normal. To explore culture as the strategy, we have to look in places we haven't before. Looking into company culture from the C-suite to employees and from Fortune 500 to startups. It's time to understand the human side of company culture and the new shape it is taking. This is The Conversation on Culture Factor 2.0, and I'm your host, Holly Shannon. I'm really excited to share this with my Culture Factor 2.0 community. I've published Zero to Podcast. It was a book that I built to start my podcast, and I created it for myself just so that I could make other podcasts down the road. And then I realized that it's not just for me, it's for anyone looking to try podcasting for personal or professional reasons. So I'm also really excited to tell you that it already hit the top 10 in three best-selling categories on Amazon and number one in hot new releases in two categories. And even more exciting, the University of Chicago now carries it in their bookstore. So go buy your copy and get started. Zero to Podcast will be in the show note. I'll leave a link there. Or you could go to hollyshannon.com and you could buy the book and get any help you need building it for you or your company. Now on to our show. Hi, everyone. I am Holly Shannon with Culture Factor 2.0. And today I have Brianne Asio. And she has a really cool business that she has created through the van life. And I think they might be calling it Seeker at some point, but we'll dive in a little bit deeper. She is a serial entrepreneur speaker, influencer, and community organizer in the outdoor travel and recreation industry. She's a former professor. She capitalized on her academic background in interpersonal communication, conflict resolution, and diversity to build a thriving company culture. And she is starting her van life story. She started it in 2017. Um, her and uh, she and her wife, sorry, have traveled all around the country in their home on wheels, all while building community teams and helping others pursue their dreams of outdoor travel. And what's so interesting about Brian is that um, I came to her through an interview with Backstage Capital with Arlen Hamilton and wanted to highlight some founder stories. And it's so cool that we're sort of at this intersection, she and I, uh, Brian and I, that um, she has her heart in company culture as well. And we'll hear about how her tool kind of uh, can, can help in that. So with all of that being said, hi, Brian. Hi, Holly. Yeah, thank you for that. I'm super excited to be here. And I'm honored that Arlen uh, had mentioned my name. That's a that's an honor. So when we first spoke, you and I, you likened your business to the Airbnb of outdoor travel. So maybe we should sort of dive in to the beginning and and you can share with us how you got into creating this and, and, and what sparked it. Yeah, so... Um, I never wanted to start a technology company. I, w- I was always uh, very entrepreneurial and, and always wanting to start businesses, but technology was never one of those things that, that I thought I, I could do. Um, we, so I started out basically buying a van because uh, I wanted to travel the United States. I realized very quickly that traveling outdoors, camping, road trips, RVing, uh, full-time or part-time, or even just on a weekend capacity, is difficult. Um, it's hard to find locations that are available. Um, it's essentially, uh, some of your listeners might know, but 
it's essentially like booking a hotel was in the 90s. It's just archaic technology and experiences. So what we want to do and what we're doing is we're making uh, outdoor travel easier, safer, and more connected by giving you or anyone who wants to go outdoors access to destinations and very um, detailed information on the places that you can go, as well as the ability to, to reserve um, with some of our properties. This is this is one of our new features is essentially um, like Airbnb, private property owners are able to list their land uh, for camping. And it's great for a lot of property owners because it doesn't have the same overhead as having a, a an Airbnb or like a vacation rental property because you're just using your land. Um, so that's one of our new features. And then one of the other things we do is we connect outdoor enthusiasts. So you can go on the app, find other people around you uh, and connect with them as well as attend events. It is uh, the Van Life app currently on the app stores and we're rebranding to Seeker because it's essentially for anybody who wants to go outdoors. I love that you're building community all through this. That was like maybe almost a happy accident of deciding to get into tech. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of was because I started with events in San Diego. I started hosting events. People would come to me with tears in their eyes just saying like, I had no idea that there were people out here like me. And what they meant by that was people who are traveling full-time in vans. It can be a very, very lonely experience um, or in RVs. And uh, it was that that kind of triggered my, okay, this is how I can impact the world. And I was a communication professor before uh, looking at, and all my research was really around um, interpersonal communication for people with stigmatized identities. So if anything meets this kind of my academic academic background mixed with my like, I guess my mission, my life's mission, which is to improve people's lives, um, and this was it. It's such a, a unique tool. And um, I think now with our workforce being all remote, very fragmented, um, and people taking on the idea of, well, let's rent a van, an RV, you know, let's go camping, let's travel around. If we're going to be trapped at home, we might as well be trapped in the mountains and do our work. Um, so obviously there's a huge hiccup when people decide to do that. And, and so you, you, you saw a pain point because you can't just go anywhere. Like if you do need Wi-Fi or you do need cell coverage or you do need facilities, like maybe you've got small children and um, or you have a pet or whatever. So you probably came upon a lot of, you had to do a lot of research, I'm assuming, all across the U.S. at all of these different points of, of landing, no? It's funny. Um, when you think about van life or RV life, you look at Instagram and you see all these like glamorous photos of, of people looking at the back of their rig in like a national park. And I mean, that happens more than the average person. Like it, it does happen, but the reality is you spend all this money on an RV or camping equipment or whatever. And then you end up in a Walmart parking lot or like a, a, roadside pullout because you can't find these amazing places that you see online. Um, and what we used to do was piecemeal 
together like 10 different apps. Well, actually more than 10 different apps. Like everybody had a little piece of information here and there. So we used to piecemeal that together or just show up at a campsite uh, and find out it was unavailable. So it was all just like a guessing game. There was so much uncertainty. And if you're working full time, it just makes your life impossible. So people like me would go out thinking, I'm gonna find myself, I'm gonna like adventure and find balance. But what ended up happening was just way more stress uh, until I found like, you know, we kept at it because we're like, we know these places exist. Um, and we eventually found the, the trick to it. So we just wanna make it so that people don't have to spend a year finding locations and all the tricks, the insides and out. Like you should be able to access the outdoors. There's so many benefits of nature. Um, and if you want to be a digital nomad, like van life or RV life is a way to do it that is affordable. Uh, and if you have the resources you need, uh, can be amazing. Well, and so many new opportunities are cropping up, like you said. I mean, people, there are people who take the vans and so forth, but you can just go in your car and find campsites and people are now renting out their yards. You know, a lot of people also outfitted, you know, their their places with like yurts and and little um, little spaces for like doing work and everything. You know, the, the tiny little office outside the house. I don't know if you're running into that too. Yeah, yeah. So that's our camp share feature that is is new for us. Um, generally, most of the locations on our app are free. We have about 30,000 locations you can camp for free in America. Um, but we started recently getting into this camp share idea. And for real estate investors or even just property owners who want to make a couple extra bucks a month or uh, a few extra bucks a month, um, have a vacation rental traditionally you'd have to have either a guest house or an extra bedroom and be willing to have other people stay in your house or have an extra house period and like that for a lot of people is completely inaccessible so what camping this camp share feature or um yeah this new sort of vacation rental allows people to do is take that extra space that they have and not have to invest $100,000 into developing it or, or you know, $50,000 to put a, an RV there so they can rent it out. Um, and they can just rent out the space and earn some extra money that way. Our properties are generally around like $30 to $50 a night. I think it's genius. It is really genius. I mean, I, I, I used to live in Connecticut and I had property and, you know, I could never really figure out quite how I wanted to monetize it. I, I ended up moving before I did that, but, you know, I used to be able to, you know, have events there, whether it was, you know, weddings or that type of thing. But this whole van life, you know, camp share option, I think is really cool. Like I, I love how you went outside of the box and, and came up with that. And now you're partnering with, with people. So you really did turn into the Airbnb of outdoor travel. Uh, we're we're uh, on our way to doing it. But I think it's more than that, right? Like Airbnb does vacation rentals. Um, and what we have is, is an industry that is so fragmented. Like if you want to book a national park or a state park or a county park or an RV park or a private campground, like you have to go to 
thousands of different platforms to do those things. So what we're doing is we're taking, yeah, the Airbnb style, as well as the private and public campgrounds and putting them into one place for you to solve all your outdoor problems. Yeah. So it's, it's really well done, you know, to be able to aggregate all of those sources and have them all accessible on one app. Uh, there was a feature that we spoke about, um, which actually brings us back to your event experience, my event experience, actually, um, and building communities. So you said that there's going to be some sort of um, feature coming up where you can connect with like-minded people that maybe are in and around you, you know, like if you have similar hobbies or, or that type of thing. Are, are you still looking to go that direction or have you already implemented that? Yeah, that, that was one of our original features. Um, that's the thing that differentiates us from any other platform is the social component. And um, essentially what you can do is you can go onto the app, uh, you go to the, the home screen, which is a map, and in the top left corner, it'll say there are X amount of users nearby. And you can click on that and see other people nearby or go to the community community tab and see what events are happening. Um, so no matter where you are, you can move the map to, like if you want a bigger area or uh, to see a different area, you just move the map and you'll see how many users are nearby and you can message them directly through that. That's a great feature. Have you thought of creating um, community like seeker ambassadors and and like have different people who would take on that role and you can do events that um, land in more than one area. So like they can kind of plan for the same exact event, but across the US and there's certain people that are kind of in charge of that. They work as a team um, because I feel like you could create sort of like a, um, a national event that happens all at the same time kind of thing and, and get a lot of hype and, and, uh, interest on something like that. I, events are like, I think so many people are hungry for events and we've been a little bit careful because of COVID, not a little bit careful. We want to be super careful because of COVID. Uh, but we know that our community and, and society in general is very hungry for, uh, to be with other people again. And, um, ambassadors are like yes and, and if anybody listening to this is wants to be an ambassador we we have an awesome program we try to take care of our ambassadors um as much as we can um it's just part of our business model is uh, instead of putting all of our marketing money into facebook or google we want to give it back to the community that's helping build our 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 platform and and our like helping make the app what it is and the platform what it is. So yeah, we do have ambassadors. So I, I want to go back now, actually. I usually start with the founder story first, um, but we really started with the concept behind Van Life. Um, and if you're okay with that, I know you and I had spoken briefly. I'd love to go back, you know, just so people know, you know, Backstage Capital, which uh, was part of the, one of the founding um, funding partners with uh, Brand and and Van Life, they their goal is to really help underestimated and underrepresented groups. And 
So Priam, maybe you might want to just chat about that a little bit. I know you were open to chatting about it. Um, so if you still are, I'd love to get your, your take on that. Cause I know seed rounds and fundraising is, is not easy. Would you mind diving into that a little bit? This is something that I'm also very passionate about is, um, like helping underestimated founders kind of navigate, uh, the experience of raising capital. Um, it, it is vastly different for a person like me raising capital and pinch, uh, p- pitching like VCs than it is for a six foot tall white man walking into a room pitching VCs. Like it is vastly different. And a lot of the stories you hear and the tips you get about raising capital don't apply to you. Like it, it just, the way that you're perceived walking into a room is just different and you have to uh, respond and present yourself in a way that understands that. Um, your difference. It doesn't mean that it's bad, like you are not bad, right? It's just that the way you present yourself is has to be inherently different because of the way you look. Um, so I remember, you know, Backstage invested in our pre-seed round. Um, and back, I love what Backstage is doing. Uh, they, like Arlen and Christy and the whole crew are just like all in on underrepresented founders, um, which is so important. Um, so I, I came from poverty, like my family had no money. Uh, and I was a teacher, uh, and I was not making good money. I had never been in the startup ecosystem. I had bootstrapped a company. Um, but, uh, that was about it for my experience coming in and like trying to raise capital. Um, it was just a whole new world for me. Like I didn't have mentors or I didn't understand how the ecosystem worked. Um, and that, that is the story of most founders period. But what happens if you're, if you look like the traditional successful founder in the past is you get mentors very quickly and you get opportunities very quickly. Um, for people like us, we don't tend to get those opportunities granted to us or handed to us. Um, you got to like really find them. Uh, so for instance, the, the women last year in 2020 got 2.2% of venture capital, like female founded startups got 2.2% of venture capital. That's down from two point, like, I think it was 2.9% in 2019. So the numbers are, are getting worse for female founders. Founders of color get 1% of venture capital, 1% of venture capital. And then if you add in queer founders, like we don't even have a number on what percentage of venture capital queer founders get. So the likelihood that I'm going to get money is, is uh, almost impossible if you base it on the odds. Well, it's good that you didn't base it on the odds you fought, which is really great. Um, but I'm sure a lot of people don't have the energy after a while to always be fighting for what they need, right? If it's constant. Are, yep, yep. So if you had taken 100% of the advice that was given to you to to go out there for your, for your pre-seed round, it wouldn't have worked. So what did work for you? For me in the pre-seed, um, I went after 
uh, not mentors. So I had a handful of people that believed in me. And the one thing that I'll tell any founder to do is go find your supporters, go find your champions, because you are going to get nine times out of 10, just, just trashed. Like, like people are going to tell you your idea is not good, that, you know, this can't turn into anything or ask you a bunch of questions that make you question everything about what you're doing. The only way to keep going is to keep those champions around you, the people who really know and who really believe in you. I stuck with them very early on. I raised very little capital because it was what I was able to get. And then um, all of a sudden, people started seeing what I was able to do. And my numbers started jumping up. And, and then you have these people kind of peeking their head out and being like, oh, what's, what's she doing? Um, and then you get people like backstage in or big names and, and you just get this, you start getting this FOMO. So I think the, the thing that worked for me is I brought in champions. I also spent more of my time pitching people that understood bias than who didn't. So I spent more time in the pre-seed pitching uh, diversity-focused funds rather than the traditional v- venture capital. Um, and that worked for me. It doesn't work for everyone, but um, that's where I found success. And now we're at the point where we're, we're raising again. We're going to oversubscribe a, a large round, and I have no question that we're going to do it, and we get to be picky uh, because we waited long enough and we worked hard enough to mitigate risk to the point where people now feel like they're missing out. That is perfection. So let me reiterate. So one, find your champions and let them cheerlead for you. Circle around them and stay close with them. Two, find companies that um, relate to businesses that are diverse and bring them in to be champions for you as well. And do this one and two really, really freaking well. And then three, you will create FOMO. That's, I wish I said it as succinctly as you did. You did awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I just want, you know, anybody listening to this to take away those tactical tips and yours were really good. You really said it. I just uh, highlighted. I'm just the highlight squad. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Finding your champions is everything because if it's a lonely experience, you're getting told no more than you're getting like 10 times more than you're getting told. Yes. And, um, I think that for, and for, for me, that almost like got me out of it. I would, I, you know, there's been so many moments where I'm like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Um, but it's the champions that know you that are willing to tell you the truth. Like if this is going to fail, they're willing to tell you and you trust them enough to be able to listen. Um, but like you need those champions around you to keep you going. Uh, it is lonely. It's hard and it's defeating, uh, especially for uh, underrepresented founders. Yeah. And you hear no a lot. And after a while, the voice in your head can get pretty loud too, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The voice in your head is the thing that will make or break you. 
That's for sure. So it's really good that you surrounded yourself with such strong people that really cared about you and really believed in your in your goal. Because um, yeah. otherwise, the, the, those the internal other, voices, right, take over. Yeah. And the other thing, like, even before you get to that point where you're told no, sometimes we forget as, like, as we get later into it and it gets easier to get meetings with people. But, like, at first, it's nearly impossible to get meetings, right, unless you have a good reputation. Like, who has a reputation if you've never been a founder before or raised venture capital before? Like, it is hard to get meetings, especially for underestimated founders. So that's another thing that your champions do for you is like they introduce you to your net to their networks and you start to meet people and, and it expands from there. That's phenomenal. I um I met some women who were pretty fortunate in getting um funding early on. Um their company is called Chief and they started in New York City and now they've branched out into different cities. And, uh, they work with, you know, uh, women VP and up, um, I believe they work with entrepreneurs as well, but, um, I think you also need to surround yourself with groups like other communities that are like-minded and maybe that might be one for you to connect with. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I have to get that, uh, info from you for sure. Absolutely. I will do that for you. So I know you talked about, as we, we near the end of this, you had talked about shifting from the van life to seeker, which personally, I really, really love that because I feel like it's more all encompassing. Is that what the goal was and maybe shifting your name to that? Yeah, it it was funny. We had been looking for a new name for like a year because I don't even travel in a van anymore. We sold our van a few months ago. I travel in an SUV. So Technically, the name of my app isn't even for me, um, which is part of the problem. So, yeah, we were looking for a new name for a while. And I went to this farmer's market and I found this necklace that said uh, the definition of a seeker is someone I'm pulling it right now. A person inquisitive by nature in searching in search of broader meaning and deeper understanding. And I was like, that's it. And the uh, S.E.K.R. was the phonetic spelling of it so we kept it seeker s like the regular spelling was impossible to get but s-e-k-r was good i love it first of all i love the story of of coming coming all the way around to the word seeker (laughs) of that i love how you found it at the farmer's market that just speaks to me because i i love that and i actually used to be jewelry designer so now i have chills And I love that you did the phonetic spelling because it actually makes it look kind of unique. And I, I I know this sounds kind of strange, but when I look at it, it kind of has like a European flair to it. And I feel like um, Europeans did, you know, a lot of the camping and, you know, the outdoor adventures, maybe even before like people in the U.S. started doing it. But I just love it. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks for that. I'm going to tell my team. Yeah, it's, it's spot on. As a marketing person, I'm going to say it's spot on. So as we start to wrap this up, I would just want to say, first of all, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share with listeners and or what is next for Seeker? Hmm. Have you asked me? Um, no. And, and I think like I would love to be uh, one of the things that I am on a mission to do is help raise other underestimated founders up so like if you have founders out there if you founders out there like 
want to reach out, feel free to reach out to me. Um, uh, I think what's next for Seeker is is growth. We're closing uh, or we're raising our, our seed round right now. Uh, and we're a little, we're like a mature seed round. We were born like late in the year uh, and our parents held us back. So we're, we're a later seed round um, than the average, but uh, we are raising our seed round and that is really going to help us grow our, our, our platform. Um, right now we have two developers and we've been able to do a lot with two developers, but we can do a lot more. So that's next for Seeker. That's exciting. I can't wait to hear some of the new features you might be having, but I do believe that the hashtag for 2021 going into 2022 will be community. And I love that your, um, your product actually was born of that concept before it was cool or in fashion or the direction everybody's going. So um, I know it's really going to explode because you, you were already targeted in the right place. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Well, I was really happy to have you on. Thanks so much. And thanks for listening, everybody. 